This call is being recorded. You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, however it applies. Um, obviously, we got the uh, ultimate uh, crossover going on this week, uh, you know, where we sit down, we feature one team a day, you know, and then we're obviously going to do like a round robin for the last one. Um, but got a lot of requests for it. And where's Mock Draft Monday? And you want to know what? Pete's available. I'm available. We're going to do Mock Draft Monday. And number one, it's always a good bit. But, uh, you know, that most of the pieces are in place here. Um, there's not much to talk about. Now it's, you know, full scale ahead into the offseason. From SI.com, Pete Smith, your host, Jeff Lloyd, local your local experts on the biggest stories, Cleveland Browns-wise, for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, as we do on Mock Draft, uh, Mock Draft Mondays, uh, you know, our brothers over with the Draft Network, uh, obviously part of the Lockdown Network. Uh, J.R. Reed put out his mock today. Um, he had the duties, two-rounder. Um, first one, uh, Tristan Wirfs at 10. Um Pete, I'm pretty sure for you, this is probably your slam dunk guy at 10 right now, it seems like. Uh, me, uh, let's get and you'll see the athleticism of these guys, see where everybody's builds at and all that type of thing, which we'll know in less than, I guess, two weeks and change here now. Uh, but Tristan Wirfs at 10, Pete. Uh, he had, I mean, we'll, we'll see how the athleticism checks out, but he basically has a degree in uh, zone blocking. Um from Iowa, I mean, that's all they do. Uh, he's very gifted athletically. Uh, he just seems to fit where the Browns are going. So, um, you know, unless the medical or athletic testing um, comes up with something bizarre, um, he seems like he's going to be fantastic. So, I mean, him and Andrew Thomas are the two I like the best right now for, for what this team is doing. Uh, I mean, I guess your flavor is going to be what's available. Because, look, I mean, you, you, I, in a perfect world, I don't think both will be available. Um, you know, you talk about Tristan Wirfs. Um, you don't make the Bruce Feldman freak list without, you know, having legitimate freak to him. To him. And, obviously, he's a young guy. You know, strength for days. And, you know, as Pete always likes to talk about, you know, he likes that just jerk and, you know, yes, they knocked you on your ass. And as you're getting up, guess what? I'm going to knock you on your ass again. So we might as well just stay down. Uh, and even one of the last plays, it was ball game. And it was, you know, pulling. And there was the defensive back who basically said, you know, I'm going to dig myself a hole here and maybe just peek one eye out of the hole and pray to God. And, you know, Worf's still lame base in him. You want that just mean, old, cuss personality. Now, like I said, JR did two rounds. Now, this, A, number one, I have never seen this player higher than this. Um, Pete, I know you have production issues. Um, everybody wants to talk about the athleticism. This is where this kid is going to be under the spotlight because you're throwing around, like, Hall of Fame athleticism numbers for this guy, and you're coming out of Division two school. It's – and, look, the safety position, it's it's going to be interesting. It is. Uh, you guys all know who absolute, my absolute favorite is. Um, but uh, in Kyle Duggar, D2 kid, 41 overall. This That was one for me where it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It was you know, like the, whoa, whoa, how far are we getting ourselves ahead of here? Uh, I mean, I understand he's going to test really well. But um, when it comes to smaller school players, um, my thought process is always, I, I, I should say, the data 
tends to say, look, you got to be a stud. You got to be Ed Reed. Um, yeah, I mean, you have to, you just have to, you have to produce like a difference maker at that level, or it, it's, it's, it's a really difficult situation to get yourself into. And I, to me, he, just, you know, looking at the numbers, you just, I understand there's some like questions in terms of like, well, he had an injury situation or, or something to that effect, but it, it's, you know, again, you're making your, an, you know, a, a, an excuse for a guy who played at whatever the hell school he played at. Lenore um, Rain, Rhine, something like that. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, that's, that's a tough sell. I, I mean, I, there's some small school guys I really like in this class, um, and I, I just can't, I can't go that route with those. I mean, they, they, the guys I like dominated their level, and that's sort of what you have to have. Well, and this is also going to be the question, because I'm sure they're going to have some sort of analytic method or analytic analytic profile of what they're going to expect from these kids who obviously have not faced the competition. And whatever, who was at the Senior Bowl, who wasn't, that's not always enough, guys. It's not. Um, even Grant Delpit, who this year had a major step back with tackling, wasn't going to get improved, uh, obviously, by going down a mobile. For me, Duggar, it, look, it's a great story. And he may turn out to be a hell of a ball player. Um, it's, it, for me, it's a big gamble. Um, and this is what we talk about. You know, the question here is going to be, you know, the production and the tape. Oh, the tape looks really great. That's great. Um, you know, you got two guys that may be assistant football coaches, football coaches in college one day. A bunch of guys are going to sell insurance. You know, I mean, it's who he's playing, and that's where you're going to have to go through. And where Pete always says, "I have to prove it." It's going to be really tough. And if the testing goes well for Duggar, that's great. But you know, production is going to be a question. Obviously, who you did it against is going to be a huge one. And, you know, since we're just going safeties here, Pete, this is one name here, Ashton Davis out of Cal. Everybody likes him. He seems to be another popular pick here at 41. Under the analytic lens, we're talking about a kid who's already 23 years old and change. He is what he is. Um, and at 41, are you drafting a guy where you say, you know, it'll be okay if he's only a one-contract player? Um, you know what he is. He's probably not going to be any more. You know, I don't know under their lens if 23-year-old guys are something that they're going to be looking at, especially at 41 overall. Uh, 23 is fine. Uh, 24 is where you get yourself into some into some questions. Um, I have some issues with this production. It's, it's not as good as it should be, and I sort of understand uh, a little bit and again, a little bit, Evan Weaver made every tackle on that team and they asked Ashton Davis to play, you know, a lot of uh, deep center, which sort of limited what he could do. And there are some things that you like. So about a Jets him. target, you perhaps? You like his, his, tra his track speed. You like some other things with him. But again, this is my issue with the safety class overall. There are some very talented players, but a lot of these guys that people love um, I know PFF's very high on Ashton Davis, uh, for example. Uh, I again, the, the the production just isn't there to back it up for me. Um, and there will be people who are uh, going to side with PFF on that, and you know I understand that's fine. But um, again, whether it's you know the Duggar kid or, or Ashton Davis or some of the others that people like, uh, the production to me isn't there. Um, maybe a 
certain safety out of the big time. He, uh, he's yeah. fine. I mean, that the, the issue is, um, you know, with him, what happens if, if somebody else takes him? I mean, that's like... Oh, he seems that's... extremely popular right now. And obviously, he's got age. He's got legacy going for him. question for him is going to be health. We're going to roll through here on Mock Draft Monday. Pete's going to give us his latest mock here in a second. Uh, like Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith, Locked on Browns. Guys, gals, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you, he, were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get the extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable and the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill. So you can be ready to go whenever the situation arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who cannot perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. For instance, guys, everybody talks a good game. Um, You got a long weekend with your wife. Uh, You better be able to perform like a rock star. Uh, Not a couple minutes roll over, put back on the TV. Uh, She's going to want more out of you. Um, Blue Chew can help you for a round two and be ready to go perhaps the next morning, the next afternoon. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to you to your tour in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor visit, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness, which there should never be. You want to please or whatever you got to do to do it, get it done. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they are cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you choose uh, when you use our special promo code MLB, all caps. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code, all caps, MLB to try it free. BlueChew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for their sponsorship of Locked on Browns. Pete, uh, obviously, even you got into the mock draft Monday feels today, and I guess that's kind of what happens when everybody's kind of under the you know the same guideline of delivering content. But um, some different names, um, love of the direction of it. So go ahead, kind of let everybody know here what was the latest over at Browns Maven. Uh, yeah, I did not realize everybody's going to be dropping this uh, the same day. Uh, but it's, uh, this has become a thing now, and it's just not going away. So. So um, I uh, went back and forth on this uh, a bunch of different ways. Uh, the whole, you know the one thing that, that didn't change was uh, I took uh, so when I did this I did I, I actually used two boards um, here I used uh, Matt Miller's board on FanSpeak and the Draft Network so every player I picked was available on both boards um, so. Anyone who wants to complain about where guys were, they can take it up with them. Uh, but uh, I took Christian <laughs> Wirtz first. Um, again, right now, I think he's the dream for, for what this team wants to do. I think here, Andrew Thomas are the dudes. I, I think I, I still think Andrew Thomas is probably going to end up going fourth. I would love Mekhi Beckton to go that high, but it just seems like Andrew Thomas is sort of the safest bet. Um, but uh, Wirtz, just he, he understands how to play the scheme. He's freakishly strong, uh, light on his feet. There's some small issues to correct with him. But, he, he, I mean, he just turned 21 
at the end of January. Um, so he is just just coming into what he's going to be uh, and, and could be a phenomenal player for a very, very long time. Um, round two is one of those where I, I went back and forth a bunch of different ways, and the one I ended up settling on was taking Zach Bond, uh, the edge rusher from Wisconsin. Um, you know, I, I think I, I'm assuming this is going to be uh, Olivier Vernon's last year with the Browns. Uh, I don't see any sense in cutting him, but they do have to look toward the future because, uh, you know, after Olivier Vernon, Miles Garrett's going to make a mint, and they're going to have to find cost-efficient ways to move on. And at the same time, this would allow uh, Joe Woods to sort of go to that 4-3 under look where he's got to stand up edge defender in that Leo role. And Zach Bond is tremendous as a pass rusher, but he legitimately has sandbacker skills. His uh, quickness to get to his drops and do those type of things is tremendous. So he's sort of built like Von Miller was when he came out of Texas A&M, and, and Bond's not quite up to that level. So we'll see what happens when he tests. It's the versatility he brings and the fact that he can be a very good pass rusher but if he drops and they want to bring pressure from somewhere else, like if they have, if they re-sign Joe Schobert and send him, you know, they have to be able to account for, you know, who's rushing. And at the same time, they also have to figure out where Miles Garrett and Sheldon Richardson are on a given play. So, you know, given everything he does, uh, the intelligence he plays with and the impact he can make, uh, it, it just makes them very impressive. And then in this year, you know, on, on, you know, nickel situations, they can move Garrett inside, pull Olivier Vernon at one end and Vaughn at the other, and just send a whole bunch of uh, guys at the quarterback that can just wreak havoc. Uh, so, yeah, I think Vaughn is, is tremendous. Uh, the, the opinions with him seem to be all over the place, but yeah, I think he's good. Uh, round three, I took Matt Hurt from Connecticut. Um, he's definitely built to be a zone lineman. Um, he's very athletic. He's got prototypical height to be a tackle. He's uh, very gifted. He, he, he plays hard, and I think he's got the, the, the right sort of athleticism you want to be able to run this offense and run it quickly. Uh, I have a couple questions with him. First, the stance is awful. Um, he just doesn't get anything out of it. And, you know, whether you watch him on tape or, like, at the Senior Bowl, you know, he, he is just – always at a disadvantage and it's not because he can't block the guys he's up against because his stance just puts him a step slow and then gets no power so he's always working at a disadvantage the other thing which could be a real problem if it doesn't get addressed or can't get addressed is his flexibility he uh he, he he's for as, as athletic as he is he plays super tall um and he has a tough time uh, seeming to uh, be able to use his hips to unlock his lower body strength. And there, you know, you, you just want him to be able to sort of unleash that lower body strength, both in terms of driving people off the ball as a run blocker, but also in terms of being able to anchor as a pass protector. And when he plays too tall, he ends up being weaker than he should be. And he ends up being narrower than he should be. And those are two things that can be really problematic. Now his length, and overall ability are, are tremendous. And if he can get those issues figured out, he can be a stud tackle. Uh, I think the athleticism is going to be no problem. I'll, I'll be curious to see 
particularly with the three cone, if that hurts him because he, he does have flexibility issues, but we'll see. Um, round, the other pick with round three um, with the trade with the Texans, I took uh, Adam Troutman, the tight end from Dayton. Um, to me, uh, he screams the type of tight end that Kevin Stefanski seems to want. Um, if you watch Troutman play at Dayton, he was uh, dominant at that level to the point where, you know, he, there's almost no play where he doesn't have at least two defenders on him and occasionally three. Um, he, 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 he takes over some games as a blocker as well as a pass catcher. Um, he, he, his, his technique as a blocker isn't always great. He, he can end up being high, getting away with the fact he's just bigger and stronger than everybody else he's playing against. But uh, he, he works as hard as a blocker. He looks to take advantage and, and finish blocks. Uh, really impressive drive blocker, working to get in position as a blocker. Uh, he's really impressive firing out of the three-point stance. Uh, he, he does a really nice job selling blocks before releasing into routes. Um, his route running could use some work. I think when it comes to cutting, he can get better at those things to create some separation. His hands are solid. Um, he, 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 you know, he'll miss some, he probably shouldn't, but he also has a, a knack for making a few spectacular plays. Um, but I, you know, I, it wouldn't surprise me if he has a little bit of a learning curve. He looked the part at the senior bowl and performed well, but, uh, it, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a bit of an adjustment, but given what Fanky did in Minnesota, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at least if they looked to upgrade their tight end room, uh, with another potential inline guy. Uh, round four, I took Tyler Johnson, um, the wide receiver from Minnesota. Uh, he, his, his three years at Minnesota, his last three years at Minnesota, his market share in terms of receiving yards, uh, in 2017, despite missing two games, it was 44.3%. Last year, uh, year before last, it was 43%. And this year it dipped all the way to 40%. Um, that, <laughs> It's absurdly good, and he's not doing it, you know, like when people were complaining about uh, uh, the kid out of UMass last year. Tyler Johnson's doing this in the Big Ten, and he's done it against SEC defenses. He's done it against Big Ten, uh, you know, the Big Ten, Ohio State, and the Horseshoe. Um, he, nobody has really stopped him, and he has 13 100-yard receiving games uh, the past two seasons. He had a, a buck 13 in the horseshoe. He had 170 at Iowa. And then he finished off his career uh, with 204 yards and a pair of touchdowns to beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl. Uh, he uh, doesn't – I mean, he, he, his blocking, he'll, he'll get in the way. That's about it. Uh, but as a receiver, he just does it all, everything right. He understands how to set up routes. He understands how to – manipulate defenders. He understands how to use his body to create space. He's really good in terms of his body control, in terms of like he'll catch passes, you know, setting his feet so he can change direction and go the other way. Um, as far as I can tell, the only reason people are, are, are potentially down on him, why he didn't get a, a senior bowl invite and, and, you know, only got the shrine bowl and shrine game invite is I guess because they assume he's going to test slow and I don't expect him to be a burner and he doesn't need to be a burner, but you, you know, watching him on the field, he, he doesn't play slow. Uh, and he's very quick. He's got excellent body control. 
good hands catcher. Occasionally he has some issues with passes that go low, uh, but he can go up and make plays. He's fearless going up and competing for the football. Uh, to me, his athletic testing is going to sort of tell, tell the story here. I think if he touched really, really well, or relatively well anyway, I think he's you know closer to Keenan Allen. If he tests poorly, I think he's more along the lines of a, maybe a little bit of a thicker Richard Higgins. Um, but to me, he's a plug-and-play guy. He can play outside. He can play in the slot. Uh, he's To me, he's one of the most underrated players in the league. It wouldn't surprise me if he outplays basically anyone else in the draft class because he's just good and he understands what he's doing. Uh, round six, I took James Robinson, uh, running back from Illinois State. Um, he, uh, their offense was him. Um, he had a, just a hair under 2000 total yards this past season, which was 44.2% of Illinois state's entire offense. Um, they, they ran the ball for more yards than they threw their leading receiver this year had 23 receptions. Um, he had 16, um, and yet they still made it to the FCS quarterfinal where they got, you know, beat like everybody else did by uh, North Dakota State. And he still looks good against North Dakota State. North Dakota State, uh, you know, just a perennial power. But he looked apart, and he plays in an offense which has a lot of double tights and a fullback, and he's used to playing in stacked boxes and all that stuff. And I think from that standpoint, he could be a nice fit for uh, what the Browns want to do. Um, the first time I, I can't I, I don't know when the last time he didn't see a stacked box, but he, he didn't at the uh, Shrine game and he had uh, nine touches and seven of those were carries for 80 yards and he had two receptions for 56. Um, he doesn't have a ton of experience pass catching. It's just their offense just couldn't throw. If you watch them play, it's it's pretty painful. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of reps as a pass blocker the same reason and he doesn't look particularly good and i don't know how much of that is technique and how much of that he's just exhausted from doing everything else uh but he's a little bit of a, a project in that respect but uh you know with the history of mike shanahan style offenses you get you know these uh late round running backs uh, that you plug in and and can find a lot of success with uh and he could be in that mold where if it doesn't work, it costs you very little, but it also gives you some insurance in case Kareem Hunt proves he can't be dependable. Uh, and even if he does, uh, you know, I can't imagine he's here longer than this year. Well, Robinson could theoretically be a nice uh, tandem with Nick Chubb. He's 5'9", 222. He's a thick dude. Makes some guys miss, has some good vision, balance. Uh, he's, he's fun to watch. Uh, and then the last pick, uh, I took uh, Bravion Roy from the defensive tackle from Baylor. Um, he didn't get a combine invite, which was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, was up and down at the Shrine game. Um, he needs a lot of work. Uh, he played in the, a weird uh, odd front scheme at Baylor where occasionally, you know, he plays zero technique, true nose, and then there'd be times where he'd be a true, literally be a stand-up and just attacking the line of scrimmage. And, he was productive. He's, he's a, showed the ability to really rush the passer and collapse the pocket. But in terms of just being consistent down to down, uh, being a, you know, a scheme fit 
uh, nose that's going to clog up blockers and, and do those things against the run. There's a little bit of a project, but given what I've seen, I, I'm curious what he does at Baylor's Pro Day. I, he just seems like a body that's worth betting on, and the Browns need another nose from somewhere. Uh, so that could be a nice little fit to sort of help out uh, the nose and, and sort of take some uh, pressure off of Larry Ogunjobi. And, you know, I addressed this in the article, but it's it's going back to um, what I talked about earlier is, is I, I, there are safeties in this class that are very good. Antoine Winfield Jr. is one of them. He's not the only one. There are some very interesting players, but particularly free safety, I think I think Winfield is more of a strong safety. It's just not there for me, and I think that's ultimately going to get dealt with in free agency. I've mentioned Anthony Harris. I think there's a lot of reasons to believe that they're going to make a run at him, and they may find out, find themselves in a situation where they you know they think Justin Burris, Eric Murray, you know some of these guys, maybe they go for a guy like Trey Boston, are going to be as good if not better than they feel like these rookies would be. And they just go with what this draft really has in terms of strength and try to, you know, get through until they get to a better class. And, and I mentioned this before, uh, you know, I think last year was a great, great, great safety class. And, you know, maybe Sheldrick Redwine becomes something, but I think they really missed an opportunity to cash in on that class with guys like, you know, Juan Thornhill and, and Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and some of these other players that have already had a lot of early success. And I will be, you know, that may be one where, you know, hopefully Greedy Williams develops, but I'll be curious to see if they don't regret that little misstep. But that's, you know, this is what we have for seven picks. So that, that that's what I came up with. Mm, no, and I agree with you. For me, the one, and I love where you dropped the Rashard Higgins, because I think Tyler Johnson, and this is the pick I'm going to highlight, I think Tyler Johnson, he just knows how to run routes. He tracks the ball extremely well. When I see him, I see Rashard Higgins at Colorado State, obviously, you know, not playing, you know, with the best quarterback, but playing against solid competition and going in week in, week out. And there's still this thing. And, you know, I know Matt Miller keeps hitting at it a little. There's something with Tyler Johnson. Well, if it's that he's not going to, then I don't care. Um, You know, we already have the proof on the tape. So that's not going to kill me unless I run like a four, eight, which I'd be stoned if that happened. Um, is there something that we don't know? It seems weird if there is. It hasn't leaked right now because clubs do go ahead and bust some 21, 22-year-old kids bubble as they're going through, you know, the biggest process of their life. But Tyler Johnson, I think he would be a seamless transition in here. I think he would extremely well with Baker Mayfield. So I'm not really too uh, concerned about, you know, any of that Tyler would be a huge, huge addition. Uh, we'll get to uh, my side of Mock Draft Monday here in a second. Uh, guys, we talk apparel. Everybody loves their Browns apparel. Um, Zabel Apparel is doing a nice deal. Look, all you Browns fans, you think it's great Valentine's Day gifts, and that's fantastic. Uh, they've got a, a uh, they've got a promo code, 15% off before Valentine's Day. So go ahead over to at Zabel Apparel on social media, uh, S-Z-A-B-O Apparel. Uh, on, uh, I'm sorry, ZaboApparel.com. Uh, check it out. Uh, I love their products. I have a ton of it. Uh, it's quality. It stands up to a wash. Um, it looks just as good the 10th, 12th time coming out of the washer and the dryer as it does the first time. 
you're looking for gear, Zabo Apparel is where you need to be. Now, for me here, this is probably one of the favorites for me. Um, and obviously, you know, Pete with you know, the Tristan Works, and we've talked at ad nauseum, you know, about you know Andrew Thomas. If you're going to go to the left side, you know who you want. If you're going to go to the right side, you know who you want. It's one of these two. Uh, for Andrew Thomas available, it seems to be slipping here. Who knows what the Giants will do it for? And, you know, that's the mystery and the wild card of what the dysfunction the New York Giants are in this day and age. Um, Andrew Thomas, I, I, how a guy is slid and hasn't taken a snap, hasn't done any testing at the combine. I don't get it. Andrew Thomas was the bad, best tackle in this class. Um, all of a sudden now he seems to be slipping for what possible reason? It makes zero sense. If he's available at 10, you've been trying to fill this left tackle position for two seasons now since Joe Thomas retired. Stop chasing it. Stop plugging it. Stop putting duct tape on it. Get it handled. Andrew Thomas at 10. Look, Antoine Winfield, maybe one of my favorite players in the class. And Pete will know I hit him you know, early in the college football season. He's like, he's even eligible with his injuries. And yes, he's, you know, redshirt sophomore. So eligible. Um, I agree with Pete. I think he's more Bob Sanders around the line, creating havoc than he truly is the deep safety. But you see the ability there. Um, and look, in this day and age, you want safeties who can do it all. So you want functional pieces that you can ask different things of. I do believe Antoine Win Winfield brings this. Obviously, the injury history is going to be a question mark. Obviously, you know, the um, the age and, you know, that's all stuff and, you know, in the size, that's stuff you're going to worry about. But I love the player. Fantastic. And I, I love the fact that he said, I, I'm not doing this anymore for free. And you get this from these sons of, you know, guys who have played. Uh, I'm not playing for free anymore. Yeah, you're going to pay me now. Uh, round three, Ezra Cleveland. Um, a lot of people I talk to keep bringing this name up. Um, they all believe he's going to go higher than, you know, there's always the what draft Twitter thinks. There's always what the NFL thinks. This is a guy here. Um, and a lot of people project him that I've spoken to. Maybe if you put him on the right side, maybe not a day one starter, keep Kendall Lamb around. But Ezra Cleveland out of Boise State, when it's weird to talk about Boise, but yes, year in, year out, they keep pumping out NFL talent. Um, uh, you know, like Pete, he put a preface, he put a, you know, premium on the edge. I'm going to do one as well here. Bradley and I, um, had a fantastic senior ball week. Um, a little bit bigger. Um, he got some more length to him. The pass rush was fantastic. Um, you're going to have to figure out, and obviously, you know, every intention is to give Miles Garrett the bag, but you're going to have to keep, like Pete said, and I agree. I mean, you're going to have to keep functioning in guys and it may be two, three years and they got to go because you're not going to be able to pay them. But you've got to be cognizant of it. You got to be on it. You got to keep replenishing pass rush after Miles Garrett. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking about Travis Etienne and looking for that guy after Nick Chubb. Look, Nick's going to beat you up. Nick's got quality speed. What's the one thing I want to pair with that? After Nick takes a blow, after taking somebody's soul or you know a defensive back and giving an elbow into the chest after he's finishing a 17-yard run. I want the guy that they cannot catch, Anthony McFarland, Maryland. You all saw the game, not this past season, the year before against Ohio State, almost single-handedly beat Ohio State. I want an absolute burner in that backfield. You're going to have to work on the receiving aspect of it. I'm sure that's what he's doing in his, in his draft process, but that is a guy I'm looking forward to and to get him right there at that 100 range, 105 here. Obviously, these picks are all going to change once the comp picks are officially factored into the equation. But Anthony McFarland out of Maryland is a guy I love. We've talked about the 
LSU linebackers. Everybody seems to be all over Patrick Queen. That's fine. Uh, Phillips. Phillips was the more productive player. Um, he's probably going to rise after this. So this pick probably for right now is moot. But to get him in the sixth round pick, being the leading tackler on that LSU defense, uh, I believe for two years now, you're talking about a really solid linebacker and you know these SEC kids can run. Picks in the seventh round here. I'm looking for something developmental. Either it's going to be a fullback that I'm going to take a chance on or it's going to be a tight end I'm going to take a chance on. Um, maybe not even part of the 2020 plans. Hopefully you can stash him away. Uh, Steven Sullivan, uh, you know, played some slot wide receiver. You know, LSU didn't really run too much traditional tight end. 6'8", he'll probably come into the combine at 240 and change. You're hoping to get him to 250. You're looking for an extension. You're looking for that playmaker, Darren Fells type, a guy who can do some things in the receiving game when you ask him to. But you want to build a better blocker. You want a third tackle on the field playing a tight end position. The other tight ends on this roster, they're looking like they're going to be number number two move tight ends, whether it's David Njoku, whether it's Ricky Seals-Jones, or whether it's Carlson, or a combination of the three of them. But even still, long-term, you're going to need that big, tough blocking in-line tight end. So Steven, Steven Sullivan in round seven. Uh, we wanted to get you out of mock-up Monday, and as you can see when Pete and I get going on this, it's just Absolutely just getting flowing here. Pete, one of the questions we have here, because I do got to get to something here in a little bit, was the question of Derek Brown or Kinlaw being available at 10. And would it still be, you know, a Tristan or Wirfs? If both those tackles are available, defensive tackles are available at 10, it's a little bit tougher for the Browns because maybe you're not getting the guy you essentially want, but you're probably still getting a tackle. Or if, you know, because maybe the board didn't break right for Cleveland West. Uh, I mean, look, both of those are, are good prospects. Derek Brown, I think, is better than Javon Kinlaw. We'll see what the athleticism shows. Um, but I just I just can't sit here and say you're going to scrape together an offense with, uh, you know, with, with you know, which is a second-round rookie tackle as opposed to being able to get, you know, this rare class of offensive tackles. Uh, being able to lock up one of those guys as your left left tackle, uh, you need to be able to run this offense, and I, I think that's a big part of why they're going to want to make a, a selection of the tackle. There, they, they need to get somebody who can run the zone style offense uh, that they want to do with this wide zone scheme. And as good as those guys may be, it's it's another premium position up front, which is not bad by any stretch, but uh, the, the, the toll is going to come due on these guys, and somehow you have to pay them. And, uh, you know, obviously that's in a few years away, but even so, it's not like top 10 pick is, is making nothing. Uh, certainly it's more cost efficient, but I, I just can't can't do it. Uh, but uh, who is your second round pick so I can rip these apart? Antoine Winfield. Yeah, he's fine. Uh, Ezra Cleveland in the third round. Uh, I never bought the stuff about him potentially being a first-round pick. Uh, third round seems more right. I have the same issues with Ezra Cleveland I do with Matt Pert. Uh, I think Ezra Cleveland looks even stiffer. Very tall, certainly has the build for it. I'll be very curious to see how he tests athletically. Uh, Bradley and May, he's interesting. I looked at him. The only thing I don't like about him is he's got very short arms. Um, and seems somewhat limited as a pass rusher. There's a glut of these guys that 
I don't know how I feel about uh, in that middle area as far as pass rushers go. Um, let's see, Anthony McFarland. You know, the issue there is is you know he has the one solid year of production as a you know in 2018. You know, I, I understand why you want him. I don't know if I if I love it. Stephen Sullivan's interesting. I considered it. Um, you know, but then I wanted to do it better, so that's where I came. But I, uh, Jacob Phillips is interesting. I, I I wish I could just see more of him. I I just haven't seen enough tape of him, but he's certainly a guy that looks like he could stand out. And and for the reasons you're talking about, where Patrick Queen is like this darling right now, I don't know how long that's going to last or if that holds up. But Jacob Phillips was the right the national fact. championship high. They are Pete. Yeah, Jacob Phillips was the more consistent, productive linebacker. Now, he looks like he's more of a mic backer. Um, that's the question. Is I mean, if you're going to, you know, re-sign Joe Schobert, uh, then the question is, what are you really drafting? So, for a while, I kept playing around with taking um, the kid from uh, Appalachian State, um, Akeem, whatever his name is. Something-something uh, Gaither, yes. Yeah, yeah, he's very fast uh, as a will backer and does some other things. And that's the other thing is, like, when you get into these guys like Duggar and potentially another one would be, like, Jeremy Chin, um, there's a few of these guys who are, like, you know, a a bad weekend away from being a linebacker anyway. And I'm not sure that's what they're not going to be in some capacity, you know, that's some sort of combo position or, like, you know, that X position the Browns had under Wilk. Uh, where where teams take those guys and basically say, look, we're not going to, you know, we like what you do, but we're going to go ahead and make you a linebacker, especially a guy like Duggar, who was up near the line of scrimmage so much anyway. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see if, the, if if a guy like that doesn't just get basically turned into a linebacker, which is all the more reason why I, I would stay away from those guys early. No, I 100% agree. Um, glad we could get this out there for you guys. And, we, you know, we'll try to get some more out here. Um, you know, I know everybody's not totally loving this because I know the animosity that runs between the fan bases. Um, let's run with it. And we're trying to keep it a continuing thing where we can maybe, you know, revisit, do some more couple shows during the off season. Um, you listeners, you guys are loyal as heck. So yeah, I'm not too concerned about that. Make sure you're checking out everything uh, over at SA, SI.com, Browns wise, uh, at Browns Maven. T- uh, Pete and his team are doing a fantastic job over there at underscore Pete Smith underscore show itself at locked on browns always follow back account uh dms open uh as you know me personally at jeff underscore lj underscore lloyd dms are open anything you want to put into the show uh you got questions i'm doing my best guys i'm doing my best but the the pace that's they're coming in i'm doing my best to try to get them out sometimes if i miss something i do apologize you know feel free to send it again this has been your daily delivery of all things dog pound lgb on the lob let's go browns